Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. Who was here last week when Peter Lewis uh, was preaching? Uh, good, a good amount. He started with uh, just talking about the, the natural senses and how they're, they kind of reveal the spirit man. They reveal our spirit. And then he, he kind of wove to the end where he really began to speak about the blood of Christ and the fact that it speaks a much better word to us. And we're going to flow right from that into the word of our testimony. Okay, so we're just going to get into scripture. Uh, I promise I'll have you out by at least the Cowboys game, which is what, 3, 315? <laughs> So we'll, we'll get you out before then. I know people are hungry, families, lunch. Uh, we love to worship. I would say, I wouldn't say hard. We love to worship intensely. We love to pursue God in this place. So that's what you witnessed this morning. Um, this is true, what we put on the wall. This defines this house. I grew up in church. I probably was fortunate to hear the who's who of preachers at Oral Roberts and in Jerusalem. But this right here has captured the attention of our family for the last four and a half years. And I can personally testify that if you want transformation, and if you want to look like Jesus, you got to be in his presence. And really, at this point, at 45 years old, I'm running hard. i got four kids. I'm a business owner. But the thing I run the hardest after is his presence. And that can manifest anywhere. That can manifest anywhere. Manifest at the drive through at your job, right, with your coworker, manifest with your neighbor, manifest with the guy that cuts in front of you or lady that cuts in front of you on the street. So you can be in his presence, but there's also thin places. There's physical, tangible places, maybe your prayer closet. Maybe you have a spot in your house or maybe your car if you're driving a lot. I can test to the fact that this right here is a thin place for many of us. There have been a lot of tears, a lot of prayers, a lot of worship, a lot of roughed up knees in this little territory right here. Some of you might be asking about or thinking about the the pedals, and no, it was not the young lady. She didn't make a big mess up here. Yesterday, we had a memorial service for Maisie McKinney, and her parents are right back here, Melanie and Brent. I just uh, would like you guys to stand. I want to extend our hands to them. I want to pray. And Sophie, is that right? I just want to make sure I have that. I want to just cover your family, okay? Their daughter passed away a couple weeks ago, and she was 20, 21, is that right? She had just had her second baby, so if you were here during the baby dedication, that happened two weeks ago. Their daughter, Maisie, was standing right here. So if there's a little bit of heaviness in the atmosphere, it's because we're not far from the sorrow and the reality of our brothers and sisters, okay? When you walk with the Lord, it's everything. And it's not just part of it. So just reach your hands out because days and hours and times are coming for the family where there will be some questions, where there will be some emotions, some feelings that they can't possibly even anticipate right now. And we wanna make sure we're standing with them. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this family. I thank you, Lord, that you're with us no matter what and you're with them and we just extend our hands to impart grace we grieve with those that grieve we mourn with those that mourn at a loss from this side but we also rejoice at the fact that you defeated death 
And we're going to see Maisie on the other side. All of us are going to rejoice on the other side, Lord, as she just walks the streets of gold. And she has full knowledge and understanding of everything you are and all that you are, God. And we just lift them up that the power of the Holy Ghost would be in and around about their family. That you would be there with healing oil and balm in the dark hours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for just agreeing with the house for them. Let's get right to scripture. Revelations 12, 10, and 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before God. And this is our primary text this morning is verse 11. They have conquered him, referring to the saints, by the blood of the lamb, which we heard a lot about last week, and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. There's a lot happening in this scripture. Uh, this is right around the sound of the seventh trumpet. John's receiving a revelation in the third heaven. Most of the scriptures preceding this were like something out of Lord of the Rings. A red dragon with seven heads and seven crowns and seven horns battling Gabriel. Uh, so it's literally something out of like fantasy land. And then you get to this scripture where a victory has taken place. There's been a transition in the war between the one who accuses the saints and the angels of God. If you're reading this in the first, second, or third century, your context is the persecution of the church, of the saints, because under the Roman Empire, there were times where Christianity was completely illegal. And if you were found to be one of the way or one of the Christian faith, you could be imprisoned, put to death legally. And, and because it was the, Christ, the, the Roman Empire was so vast, they let the local municipalities deal with how to handle that law. So if you had a wicked leader in your local area, he could take that law and seek you out. And, of course, we know that Paul, the, the, who wrote most of the New Testament, at least the epistles, he was one that was involved in that. So there's a lot happening here. And when Constantine comes and he relieves that burden of persecution for the church, this scripture is very real. Because the Roman, not Catholic, but the Roman Empire had been accusing and casting people of the way into prison. In the same spirit that Peter was talking about last week, he was talking about that we're designed and hardwired to win. We're hardwired to have victory, right? We, we had a, a, a death, a passing away, and that's about the worst experience you can experience on this side. But even that greatest seeming victory of the enemy is defeated because Christ defeated death and the grave. Amen? So in the same way that that we're hardwired to win, and the blood of the Lamb, it was what releases power and victory in our life, we are the ones that testify to the power of the blood through our own experiences and our own lives. So what happens is the blood of the Lamb was shed. Jesus took that blood up, spread it on the mercy seat, and then for those that come after by the power of the Holy Spirit, you resurrect the power of Christ by sharing the words of your testimony. I've received prayer for some areas of my life a thousand times. 
to get freedom and release and victory. And then in a moment's time, I've heard a testimony from a brother or sister in Christ, and it immediately brought freedom, and I never walked in that area again. Yeah. So it's not that the pursuit of prayer or someone to stand with you or deliverance or inner healing is bad. It's just there's allocated weapons in the kingdom of God, and you've got to seek out the right instrument, the right instrument. In this case, we're talking about testimonies in order to release faith in your hearts. So right now in this room, some of you have things that the Lord is working on and things that are desire of your heart to see change. You desire to see the victory of the blood of Christ to be preeminent and have all authority over an area in your life. Could be a struggle, could be provision, could be a family member that's not walking with the Lord. I mean, there's such, there's such a spectrum of the needs of our body. But you've abandoned the faith and hope that God would touch that thing because it's been so long. And expectation, it's just kind of withered away. You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are sitting there right now and you're, you're, you're listening to what I'm saying and you're actually thinking and, and you're feeling beyond what I'm saying because that thing has so long been there that you just said, maybe God really just, that's not an area he desires to touch. But if Christ is touched with our infirmity, then I can tell you by virtue of the gospel that he's concerned with that very thing. He is intimately concerned with the deepest areas of our life and wants to set us free so that we can testify to his goodness. Because when you take the blood of the lamb and the power of the blood and your testimony and you marry them together, it releases you from the fear of death. That's what releases you from the fear of death. I used to read the scripture and think, man, so I, I got the blood, I got my testimony, and then I need to rush out and be a martyr. And that's how I can overcome the accuser. But that's not actually what the, if you study the scripture, it's not what it means. What it means is the marriage of the blood and the marriage of testimony will release you from the fear of death. Now, let me tell you something. The closer we get to the, the true freedom from the fear of death, because we're not, we're not there yet, but the, the closer we get to that position in Christ, the greater the victory, the greater the sharing of the gospel. Amen? Do you, do you realize that? Because when I'm really not afraid of death, my shame level is down here. My inhibitions towards moving with the Holy Ghost are way down here. The more afraid I am of death, the less I can walk in his power and authority. And that's really what it's all about, power and authority, right? In Proverbs, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who live it, those who love it will eat of its fruit. So to bear testimony simply means to say you know from your own experience that something happened or is true. I want to look at just a couple of biblical rules for establishing the truth of witness testimony, okay? So in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, it says one witness is not enough to convict anyone of accused who is accused of a crime or offense they have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses, okay? And then it's referenced again in John regarding when they bring the adulterous woman to Jesus. In John 18, 17, he says, even in your own law is written that testimony of two men is valid. 
I am one who testifies about myself. The Father also testifies about me. We didn't see Jesus live, die, be crucified and resurrected, right? I mean, that's, we, we know that. That's established, right? That was, that was 2,000 years ago. So you didn't see it. You believe what an affidavit says. Eyewitness testimony. You believe in what an affidavit says, right? But you need someone to testify to the truth of what this says by the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, how does that happen? Ashley, three weeks ago, I think it was, was preaching about the journey. Let me tell you how it happens. Mountains and valleys. Mountains and valleys. Journeying through life and the testimony of, of what's written in the word about the blood of Christ and the work of Christ is revived into now, 2022, to where you can testify to his goodness. God Jesus did X, Y, and Z, and then you have a full gospel. That's a full gospel. You can't preach it where God is just going to cure everything and solve all your problems because that's not a full gospel. What did he tell us? We'd never be alone. We'd never be alone. The message of the gospel is that Jesus redeemed and reconciled man to God by the power of the blood shed for once and, and forever, and if you want to really have a head trip, those of you who really like that type of thing, just think about the fact that that actually happens before the foundations of the earth. Okay? And then when we bring a full gospel, we share the message of Christ with, with other people and the authority and the power of Christ with other people. But you know what has to happen as well? You have to witness. You have to bear witness and testimony as to what he's done in your life. And, and that's what releases the power of God into the here and now. We have been short-staffed at our company. I run a business. We got six full-time employees and a few contractors. We've been short-staffed for almost four weeks now. I mean, just it's been a chore. So we work in the field uh, with our hands, kind of a plumbing application. It's a huge blessing. We're hiring and growing. Bless the Lord. I, I just thank him for his goodness. And we've been short-staffed. So we got a crew of five technicians, including myself a lot in the field still, and we've been doing it with two or three guys. Not easy. So our guys, we roll around alone in our trucks. So in the second week of uh, September, I mean, it was looking, one guy had a baby, another guy was out of town, my head guy was on vacation, and I was just like, Lord, you know, we, what's going on? We have these numbers, you know, that we have to hit. I mean, like, they're in my heart. You gave them to me, you know, like, and that's the thing. If he's the author of your dreams and goals, high, low, middle, or in between, you can rest. And you're going to flail around because you're a child, and so am I. That happens. Children flail around when they don't get their way. When they, really, what is it with small children especially? We're told to be a good parent. You need to manage expectations, right? So when, when, you're, when your goals and dreams are God's goals and dreams, you can rest when it gets tight. So it was tight, which means instead of 5 a.m., I'm going to have 4 a.m., which means that I go and work at, you know. So, so things happen, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I'd sure like to hit this benchmark, even though I don't have the guys for the last two weeks of the month. It's, it's a big goal, y'all. It's a God goal. It's, it's somebody, I can't I don't know if he's here, but it's a stretch goal. And, but I don't have the guys. 
So for the last two weeks, and actually this last week as well, we beat our numbers by 29%. Now, if you're doing business and you, you know anything about business, my, my, you know, I know a few people in here, 29% is no small. 29% more over the last three weeks with two to three guys on a crew of five to six. Let's just give them a hand clap. Because let, let, the reason I'm telling that story is because I have a small business. You may be a business owner. You may need some release. You may need some breakthrough. And I just pray right now that story would just release breakthrough to you. That, that sales would be impacted. That capacity would be increased. That you could do more with less. That I, he could give you the fish and the loaves and you could feed a family. You could feed a business. You could feed, I have men with kids. That's the kingdom of God. I mean, I was talking to Jonathan Stringer, a friend who used to come here, and, and we were talking. I said, when I cranked down an 8-inch gate valve with a 24-inch pipe wrench, you know what that is? Worship. I know. There's not a lot of amens on that one. No one wants to aim in that. When I'm down in a ground vault, which is called a railroad box, and it's 110 outside, that thing's been baking in the sun until 4 o'clock, and that's my last job. That's worship. When you're sweating and you're going through three sets of clothes in one day and just Gatorade and water bottle after, that's worship. You know why? Because there's four righteous seeds sitting right there. There's a church that needs to be built, and it costs dollars. There's missionaries overseas. There's ministries. There's need. There's people in this very room. That's worship. And God gave me a field that's very lucrative. So you know what? I mine it. I show up with my guys, and I say, there's gold in there, guys. Let's dig and get this up out of the ground so we can funnel into the kingdom of God. And God can have preeminence, authority, and supremacy on the earth as it is in heaven. I want to just look real quick at, at, at the greatest prophet of the Bible. Anybody know who the greatest prophet of the Bible is? After Jesus, but Jesus said about someone else that they were the greatest prophet. Yes, somebody said it. John the baptizer. He wouldn't have been a Baptist. He was a baptizer, right? So in that day and age, in that part of the world, you would call someone. It would be like Jesus the carpenter, right? Like Alexis the youth pastor. You know, Alexis youth pastor. That's what his last name would be, youth pastor. <laughs> that's funny Casey, Casey and Cheryl Elders <laughs> their last name is Elders so we're going to look at John just a bit he's the son of a priestly line you know I just like to say you want to know how special God thinks you are he'll incorporate what you think is completely random without order and make something amazing out of it John's dad how does he get into the Holy of Holies before he gets told by the angel he's going to have a son? Anybody know? This, this is fascinating. When you study the Word of God, you start to see things. My dad always used to tell me growing up, you've got to find yourself in the Word. You've got to find yourself in the Word. You've got to find yourself in the Word. They drew lots. Does that sound very biblical? doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? His order that served, a, uh, I think it was a week or two weeks a year, they drew lots. And Zachariah is the one who drew the small straw, and he got to go into the Holy of Holies. He got to go into the, the inner, inner place. 
And then he sees an angel and he says, hey, by the way, you're going to have a son. So there's a lot of parallels between Jesus. But how crazy is that? He drew lots. Like your car, you just ended up in the wrong place. You ended up at the wrong restaurant. You showed up late. This is a good one for us in modern day. You showed up late. You showed up late. And Israel is like, oh, we can't get to church on time. Ah, you know, like any dads out there, you're losing your stuff because the family's not ready. And you get in the car, you're in the driveway, and so-and-so won't come out. They're still showering. And, you know, you're just like, really? You know, ah. And that always happens when? On your way to church or a spiritual service of some kind, you know. And then you show how spiritual you really are to your kids. And God, and God laughs. He goes, ah, <laughs> I've got you. You're my son. You might be their dad. You might be their mom. But you're my son. You're my daughter. And I got you. So Zechariah gets this word, gets this prophecy. He has a son. And we know just one, there's a lot of babies been born here lately. I don't know if any of y'all noticed, but it's like, I don't know what's going on in Upper Room Frisco, but it's, it's and, and bless y'all, because Alice and I see y'all, we're a few years ahead, and we're like, man, I am so happy for you, but keep those diapers and wipers away from me. You know, I want to sleep at night, and my kids, I want to say, hey, get up, get yourself dressed, and get in the car, and I want to be able to do it. So God gives grace for these stages in our life, right? Bless y'all with the babies. So Jesus is in the womb with Mary, and then John's mother is pregnant. And what happens when they get close to each other? We know that, that they're relatives. Some people say cousin, but that's probably not theologically accurate. But they're relatives. And, and the baby inside, John the Baptist, jumps, jumps in his mother's womb. He's already prophesying. This is what a prophet this guy was. This is why Jesus said he's a great prophet, even bigger than Elijah. Think about it. And, and I want to just, I was meditating on that. I was like, moms, be aware. I think, we're, I think we, most of them are out right now, so we're good. But whoever gets pregnant next, receive it. Um, be aware when the baby jumps. Be aware when the, you know, the alien look. Any of y'all, whoever's had a baby, you've seen the, the leg go across, and you're like, my goodness, it's alien from the 70s is in there. That movie, you know, like, don't watch it, but I'm just saying, I've seen it. Uh, so you see that leg move, and you're like, the alien's in there. Be aware when your child jumps in your womb, moms, because something might be happening supernaturally around you. Just take note of your environment, your surroundings. So he's, he's already prophesying. He's kicking the ribcage. Moms know what that means, right? He's kicking the ribcage. Ouch. He knows his relative. I mean, this is a community, and this is a, a country where, believe me, I live there. Relatives are tight. Okay, I used to try to fight one kid, but I couldn't fight one kid to protect myself because he had 12 cousins. And that's how they rolled. My brothers are laughing because they know exactly what I'm talking about. You get smacked down by two guys, even if you could take on the two, they're like, they called it back. They're like, oh, they always say, hadodim, which is the word used for cousin. My cousins, they got my back. We're going to get you, you know, like next week. So he knows who his relative is. And they grow up probably hearing about each other, maybe visiting at some family instances, you know, affairs and and. And then late, years later, I mean, we know who John is. He's a preacher of righteousness. He separated himself even from the system that his father was in. So he's already set himself apart, possibly right down there around Qumran, around the Dead Sea, you know. He's preaching righteousness and repentance and prepare the way for the kingdom of God. Very similar messages. But he keeps talking about this one that's coming, 
that's greater than him, but that was before him. And then he has the revelation that it's, it's this man, this relative. He baptizes Jesus, and he's like, no, 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 you can't baptize, I can't baptize you, you baptize me, right? John is the, he's the greatest witness before Christ's death and resurrection. You are the greatest witness after Christ's death and resurrection. You receive that? You are his witnesses to go forth into the earth and preach the gospel and the good news. So you're his witnesses now. You know what John didn't have? He didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and he did not yet have the full repentance and redemption of sin because of the blood of Christ that was shed in the resurrection of Jesus. He was operating without that. That's why it can be said that you're greater than John. Even a, child, a baby, one of these babies that's born, prophetically Jesus said that, and that's the interpretation of that scripture. That you, even the least of these, even a baby operating with the Holy Ghost is greater than the greatest prophet ever. That's something to wrap your head around, what you're carrying. Really what I want you to see is the testimony of the righteous. It's like that movie, The Spartans, you know, like where they were just... I mean, you have a spear and a sword inside of your being, the rivers of living water coming up. As we grow in numbers, we have to also continue to drink deep from the well that makes us brothers and sisters, which is Christ. And the manifestation of that is testimony. It's bearing witness. Yeah, we, we struggle. I mean, there's a reality of going through this life together. But there's a greater reality of why we're doing it and what's going to happen and who has the last word. John, later in his life, not too much longer, ends up in prison because he's, he's spoken out against the religious authorities and particularly the uh, figurehead leader, Herod Antipas, right? He's spoken out against his marriage. Basically, he's calling out shenanigans. And in that day and age, rebellion was not tolerated by the Romans. If, if they sniffed rebellion, even from the local leaders or people underneath the local leaders, they give a quick message to put that out. So Herod decided to imprison him for fear of a riot, for fear of a rebellion. And what does John do while he's hearing even greater stories? Because what happened was at first, John, John was baptizing a lot of people. They were coming to him. But then Jesus' disciples started baptizing, and more were starting to go over to Christ. So you have these two ministries that are operating, uh, and, and, and when John ends up in prison, he sends disciples to Jesus. And at face value, you could look at that and say, well, hold on. He knew exactly who Jesus was. He testified about him being the lamb that would take the sin of the world. What, is he forgotten? I mean, what's happened in, the, in those couple, those two or three years? Is he, uh, is he doubting? At face value, that's, that's, a, that's kind of an easy interpretation. But I think two things were happening there. The transition of the disciples in general of that message and ministry in that country were migrating to the truth of Yeshua as the Messiah. And also, because he's prophetic and because he's the greatest prophet, I think he can feel the squeeze. Anybody ever feel the squeeze in your life? Are things ever happen? Uh, 
yeah, we had a car totaled in our, in our family in the last few weeks. That's real. And the insurance comes back and goes, you know, it's more to fix the car than the car's worth. Anybody ever been in that situation? You know, you're just grateful that everyone's healthy. So when the squeeze comes, that's when you need the testimony of Jesus. <laughs> when a brother and sister comes to you and they go, I'm struggling with X, or I have need of Y, or this is where I'm at, or I'm dry, it's a valley, I haven't heard the voice of the Lord, there's no freshness. It's not to distance yourself. Well, let me pray for you, brother, from a distance. Let me, let me bless you, sister. You know, like, it's, it's to engage and bring forth the testimonies of Jesus. It's not at a place of insensitivity. It's not that you can just, but it's, man, let me just tell you what the Lord's been doing lately in my life. And, and then let that water from the well, let them drink forth. So, we're just, we're just going to land, and, and what I want to do is I'm going to bring up a few people. They got about three to five minutes, so go ahead and come on up, Dad, and, and Chase Cunningham, I think, is he around? If not, could someone grab him? And then Sarah, and I don't want to butcher Scoblianic. Come on up. Yeah. We're going to share a few testimonies, and the reason... Uh, that I'm doing this is because in the church, sometimes in this setting, you don't get to hear everything that's going on. Does that make sense? So I do, where's Jude? Jude, grab Chase, he's in the children's church. So I, I, I wanna share, we're gonna do a, a couple of quick testimonies. This is my dad, Mike Lambert. What's up, Pop son? Facts, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for him. Um, <laughs> So you had recently a very specific supernatural provision happen. Can you just talk about that? Beep, beep. I got you. You got me? Okay. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, maybe 20 years ago, there was this young couple and, uh, in the church we were going to, and they were having some struggles. He was a South Korean and had been in special forces for like 10 years, knew half black belt and half a dozen things, you know, and and uh, he wasn't a skinny Korean. He was, she was short and stout. <laughs> and uh, he married a little white gal that was about that tall, you know, and she had an anger problem, very anger, very anger problem, in that when she would get mad, she would just literally explode, and she would try to start hitting him, you know, and slugging him, and et cetera, et cetera, and he didn't have to grab her up. And he'd hold her up in the air till she would finally calm down. So we counseled with them, dealt with them, cast out a few devils, and so they finally they they got straightened out. Well, it was about 20 years ago, and then about six weeks ago, I got a phone call from them, and uh, I know they went back to South Korea and they did a lot of different things and. So I said, wow, we hadn't heard from you in a while. They said, yeah, it's been 17 years since we heard from you, since we talked to you. And uh, we just want to call and tell you we're moving to, to Jerusalem next spring. And we're going to be to Dallas, and we want to come by and talk with you about it, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, uh, so I said, well, great. You know, to give us a call when you come through and we'll talk. And... Uh, I had a 
big fist-sized cancerous tumor in my side here in 2018, and uh, I started having a lot of pain, and and went to give an MRI in Jerusalem, and the guy said, well, you got pancreatic cancer, you got two or three months to live, which wasn't exactly encouraging. Anyway, it came to the States, and the guy ran some kind of camera down into me and said, no, you don't have pancreatic cancer, but you do have a fist-sized cancerous tumor <laughs> sitting on top of your pancreas. <clears throat> he said, well, get rid of that. He said, if, uh, if the chemo doesn't kill you, then we'll get rid of this cancer. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, the chemo kills as many people as the cancer does. A lot of you probably didn't know that. <laughs> and so I started seven months of chemo treatments uh, once a week. I had two people that were actually doing it right beside me. And the first day I was there, a guy comes to the door as a volunteer helping with everything. It's a guy I graduated from high school with out in West Texas. <laughs> so, strange coincidence, you know. And so, a uh, little gal next to me, she's about 33 or 4. She lasted three months and she died. I said, what happened? I said, chemo killed her. Guy next to me is about 60. He's a fair-sized man. Four or five months, uh, he did, wasn't there. I said, where'd he go? He said, oh, chemo killed him. So chemo also rots your teeth, in case you didn't know. And I had a, uh, as a, just about time I was finishing up the chemo, my teeth started falling out, you know, and I'd be eating and another one fall out. And I lost about 18 teeth through that way. And uh, so, how much time I got left? Two minutes, okay. I'm finished. <laughs> Preachers, you know, they're long-winded. They like to keep going. Uh, so I... Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, was, I started having infections, just one after another and some broken teeth. And uh, last spring I had three, every, every six weeks I'd get it done and then start infections again. So I decided to get rid of some of these teeth I had left on the bottom, which was four. And a couple of them broken off and a couple of them back. And uh, then it started up and said, all oh, your teeth are totally rotten, you know, from the chemo. And so I had these bottom ones uh, cut out and we was, I was getting estimates what to do. You said, well, for... Uh, $2,400 said, we'll get you some false teeth and pull all these teeth out. Huh? Yeah, I think it was $2,400. And so, uh, we so later, this couple that I knew from 17 years ago said they wanted to come by and bring. They called me and said, uh, and said uh, you know, uh, we were just walking during our prayer walks and we have this medical card that... Uh, uh, we never use and said, do you happen to, if we gave it to you, would you use it for something? And I said, well, yeah, I probably would. I hadn't told them about teeth or anything. And they said, well, it's for uh, $2,399.67. <laughs> so I said, you know, well, you're 37 cents short. <laughs> They said, will that help you any? He said, we felt we were to give it to you. And so they sent it to me and uh, took it to the dentist the other day. And he said, he, she, she had a testimony with him. He's a believer. 
you know, and so it was a good testimony that, you know, God hears our prayers. He knows where we are at all times. Uh, we used to, Israel, we used to call it, call it uh, before the days of Internet, we, we called it post office box faith because every week you go to the post office and say, I hope there's something in there. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. He knows exactly where you are. This is my buddy Chase, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it's an honor to be up here and be in the house of God with y'all. And uh, What do I have, five minutes? Three to five? Okay. It's uh, sometimes in life you got to go through it to get to it, right? So... Um, Two years ago, I was working on an organic energy drink, and it was, a, um, it was an exciting time for me, but I wasn't getting compensated for over two years. And so during the day, I would work on construction and roofing and manual labor, and um, I had one of my hardest manual labor jobs. It was a, um, had to do a, a full regut for a um, development, and I was the only guy doing the the manual labor and sometimes God has to humble you to your knees so that he can provide and show you the blessing that's later on so I see it now but I did not see it then and uh, there were several times on that job where I wanted to quit and I would talk to the Lord and the Lord's like don't you see these roots you're, you're getting deep rooted in me and he was teaching me and showing me through all the pain in the flesh of how my spirit man was getting stronger and stronger because I was just spending time with him in nature and and and, and digging and, and using my hands. So then at night, I would work on the energy drink. So there was not much rest. There wasn't much sleep. And the whole time I think about it, those two years, I had no peace. It was just striving, pushing in my own will, not letting God lead. And finally, the Lord came to me, I was in my prayer closet, and this is, let me do a segue. I was in my prayer closet, and the Lord is like, you're pushing in your own will, and there's a door, and you're kicking this door down, but if you don't stop kicking that door down, you're gonna have to deal with what's behind that door, because I only open doors that I open and close doors that I can close, and I'm like, oh, come on, Lord. I'm like, but Lord, I, I see it. It's right there. And he's like, nope, just I'm telling you. So let's fast forward. Five months ago, my investor pulled the plug on me. I lost those two years that I had been working so hard. It was gone. So I went to my closet. I got on my knees. I'm like, Lord, what do I need to do now? Like, I don't, I can't provide for my family. I'm in debt and all these things, right? And then I had a brother, Dom, who's a worshiper, if you all know. And he called me. He said, hey, brother, I want you to come to Upper Room at Prayer Sets. I'm getting chills right now. He said, I want you to come morning, noon, and night, and I want you to seek his presence. I'm like, dude, I, I, you're a worship. Like, I don't have that type of stamina. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up with you. And he's like, no, just come because the Lord is going to wash you. And so I started pressing in. So I would come morning, noon, and night, Monday through Thursday. We'd go from Frisco, and he was, he was like my, my prayer warrior together. We'd ride in the truck together. Our, our registrations were out. I had negative $500 on my account. 
and I'm looking, and I'm coming, and I'm going, and I'm like, Lord, what are you going to do? And then all of a sudden, I started getting texts from my old job. Now, before the energy drink, I was in the car business, but I wasn't living for God. And God said, you need to answer that call. It was my GM. He had been reaching out to me for the last three years. Hey, when you coming back? Hey, when you coming back? And finally, I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, then let it be peace. So I accepted the job back. And one night I was praying and the Lord said, I'm, you're going back to claim new territory. You're going back. I'm taking you back to claim new territory. And so going back to the car business, I thought it was about the car business, but then I started sharing the gospel with people and praying for people when they buy cars. And the Lord just, he exponentially just fast forward with favor. He got us a house, restored all our debt. And this was in five months by the grace of God. It, it, it just all happened at once. So, what? Well, just I, I just want to ask. This is this is not a guy that just toots his own horn. Uh, I know more of the story, but uh, within what dealership or what brand? Mercedes. So he works for a top end luxury brand. Over the last five months, um, obviously you're in sales. Uh, where have you fallen? on the sales list as far as cars sold in each month? 17 to 24 cars. Per month. And and within the dealership, let me just ask, like amongst your 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 coworkers, where does that rank? First or second. Thank you, Chase. The, re the reason I wanted that specific, including that last part, is because there's a lack of spirit of excellence and, and when, God, when you partner with God, your testimony, the excellence of who he is, I mean, it, it just will, the cream rises to the top. That's what I'm going to say. We're not a third world country, so I'm not going to act like we are. You're in America. Second greatest country in the history of the world. The opportunities are vast. If you are partnering with Almighty God, and you wear a badge that says, has the, it has the little, it's like the Nazi thing, the little yellow thing that says Jesus on it. Rep him well. So, um, I, don't, I don't do this. <laughs> he asked me, um, sorry, my, my, my eyes have been weepy a little today. <laughs> I'm sure you all too. So we were just working on some books over in the children's wing and he's like, we just got to talking and I told him how much this church. How much this church has healed my family. You all, you all are my people. I've been in church a long time, but I've never been in a church like this there are people here I know I can call on any time of day and they will pray for me they will not just say okay I'm sorry I hope you'll be okay they will stop what they're doing and pray for me and pray for my family We have a blended family, and we're blended in a lot of ways. Um, my husband is Jewish, and he's from Russia. 
and I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> I was, you know, raised Christian. So he has two, and I have two, and my one, one of my youngest was struggling, and I was just going to the same church I was going to, and I didn't, I didn't know what to do, and it's just, we bought it, we downsized, and I have my own closet, so I made that my prayer closet. And I just got on my face and was asking God, what do I do? So I took my daughter to, um, she's not here today. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> She'd be embarrassed. But I took her where my brother took me. My brother um, also passed away when he was 30. And he led me to the Lord. And he had an eight-month-old baby when he passed away. It was really hard. But so I took my daughter to Tulsa where my brother had taken me, and his son was there at the same same ministry school that my brother went to at Ramah. And we wish went to church all weekend, like a different church. I mean, if y'all been there, you can go to church every, you know, time of day, I think. <laughs> and she just needed to be reminded of the Lord. And it gave her a jolt, and it helped her, and it helped heal our relationship and the whole time we're there, Josiah's like, you all need to go to upper room. <laughs> you all need to go to upper room. And I'm like, I don't know what upper room is. <laughs> and I kept looking it up, and I'm like, it's in Dallas. I don't want to drive 40 minutes. And at the time, Jocelyn was so on fire for God. She's like, Mom, I would drive to Oklahoma to go to church if we can go like this. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll drive to Dallas. Um, and then I saw there was one in Frisco. 10 minutes from our house. I was like, we're going to go there. <laughs> and it took my, my brother's son living in Oklahoma to tell us to come here. And it was like my brother was still watching over me. And my, my daughter and I have a good relationship. She's not here this morning, but she's a work in progress. We say progress over perfection. And she's, I mean, she's 18. It's, it's a rough time. But I have two sons back there. Um, one is in the Navy, and he came to visit for two weeks. So he's here. Thank you. And the other one is my husband's son. So he's my son by covenant. And he's accepted Jesus as well. So he's um, loving God, too. And... It's from coming here, you know. I, I started just coming to the women's meeting and pray and crying a lot and meeting people. <laughs> and then I got involved in a prayer set with Amanda and and Jeff and all these other people. And I got a family, you know. I met Nancy and got a family and Kristen and all these people. Like I I have girlfriends that know the Lord. That is amazing. When I'm struggling, I can text them. I can call them. They can do the same for me. And that, that's, that's what it's about. I don't know every story here, but God does. If, if, I, if we lined up every person, we'd be here all day, which would be a good thing, and they would probably hit every category They'd hit every issue. They'd hit whatever's in your mind or in your heart. But this was just a little snapshot. 
of the goodness of God and how powerful the testimonies is. So go ahead and rise your feet and we're going to close.